Good day, everyone. This is Martha Childress, and welcome to Sedona Spotlight, where each week my co-host, Daryl Archer, or I, feature teachers, healers, visionaries, and other notables in their field from mystical, magical Sedona, Arizona. Sedona Spotlight is here to shine its light on you so anyone can experience the amazing energies emanating from the sacred red rocks of Sedona, Arizona. You can also lighten up live from Seattle, Washington and vicinity every Tuesday at half past noon on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. on the dial. Or you can listen live online from anywhere in the world you may happen to be at 12.30 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time, just by clicking the Listen Live link at SedonaSpotlight.com. And today I'm delighted to introduce you to Susan Ann Stauffer. Is it Stauffer? Is that how you pronounce it, Susan? Stauffer. S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R. Yes, Stauffer. Stauffer. Thank you for that. Um, mm. Who I was recent, just recently connected with after getting a random email um, that came from the Crone Council. Um and and so if you've been listening lately, the Crone Archetype is a topic I've been very guided and keen to learn more about and to share. And it was really fun to find out that the council has been going on for a long time and it actually started in St. George. Um, and Susan holds a Ph.D. in social work with gerontology. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what that is real quick? Oh, yeah. Gerontology is the study of aging. Ah, okay. the aging developmental process. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you've also talked yoga, stress management, and aerobics extensively for, gosh, over 50 years, including the University of Utah. Um, also see that you had a clinical therapy uh, practice for over six years working with women who've experienced domestic violence, sexual assault, and rape. So needless to say, Susan, you have been dancing with the Crone Archetype for decades, um, as well as being the president of the Crone Council. So I'm super excited uh, about our conversation today, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't you um, start off by sharing some history of the Crone? I mean, actually, where did the word Crone actually come from? And what is the arco, you know, the archetype of the crone? What does it actually mean or represent um, from, you know, from your, from how you've learned about it? Okay, yeah, it's got a long history, and you know, um, there's so many avenues and ways in which to look at it. But yeah, most, yeah, most of the literature uh, talks about. Um, the, the history of the crone archetype in its many, many different forms. And, it you know, one time it might have been called the great goddess, the triple goddess, um, who was a rather awe-filling, somewhat kind of amorphous nature and earth mother that was revered yeah. as, as the source of life and the great mystery of life. And it has a history of um, this archetype evolving through the romantic era where that kind of idolization of women came back in you know a pushback against the enlightenment the reason the reason of enlightenment mm -hmm. so a lot of writers began rousseau um leland robert gray it's interesting that yeah. it was men you know before women but then in the 1980s this archetypes seem to have a really great um, resurgence. And so the word crone, you know, in, if you look it up in the in the dictionary, it still says something like an ugly old gnarled 
Yeah. And wasn't the crown actually come from the crown? A crown? Well, you know, yeah. So really, crown is said to come. It's a German word. Okay. You're right on, meaning crown. And crown, mythologically, if we look at it, is a circlet. You know, a circlet that goes over the head that generally establishes one's authority. Yeah. That she's a primary leader or he. But before we understood crown that way, very long, 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 long ago, it was considered a halo of light around the person's body. Wow. Yeah. The corona of light. And it was considered to shine more brightly when the person was clear. Mm-hmm. When she was filled with judge justice and love, and wasn't tangled up in a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, and the crown, the crown, the shown further and further, the more clear the person was. Wow. And so, let me just say one more thing: the 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 one of the aspects of the 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 um, crown is that she really is the one who sees far. I love talking about her that way. The one who sees far. She has the aerial view. Mm -hmm. She can look between the spaces of the worlds and literally see what's coming, what's been, what's now, and what underlies and stands behind many things. So really, the crone in one sense represents the ability to see. Well, and I know in, uh, I just got back from Mexico too, especially um, on the West Coast where um, the divine feminine is so revered. I mean, even in the Catholic churches, um, it's Mary at the altar and um, Jesus Jesus on the cross is either in the back or on the side and he's kneeling down, looking up at her. Um, It's very, very different. And a lot of their representation of the Madonna and child is the child, the baby, has the features of an older woman. Uh, so mm-hmm. it kind of shows the whole rebirth um, aspect of the crone too. So when you talk about that many ways, many worlds, um, I kind of think of uh, the crone as kind of the the ultimate, you know, um, transition, you know, of, of rebirth and renewal and almost um, a phoenix type. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's so many different mythologies and cosmologies that have her, you know, in one designation or another in, you know, Kali, Kali, Tiamat, Isis, Astarte, Diana, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's a whole song. We all come from the goddess, Isis, Astarte, Diana, Hecate, Mm -hmm. Demeter, Kali, you know, yeah. And then all the way to the Lady of Guadalupe, Mother Mary, Mary, you know, it just and 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 even the word hag, which is a corollary of that. I mean, Hagia Sophia, yeah, who represents wisdom, absolutely. Yeah. So when did things start to change with um, how the the kroner that you know the women, older women of wisdom. Um, went from being revered to, um, yeah, to be the old witch in the woods and to be feared, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the herstory? Yeah. What is the herstory? And why, and how are we still dealing with that? Yeah. And the story of that is highly contested. 
Yeah, I'm you sure. know, in the literature, like there's some people who think that this whole goddess movement is made up and invented and that there never really was all this history about it. But, you know, the 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 women writers and scholars who are writing about this say that there was a time in prehistory where this all was going on, where there were in Crete. Um, in Sumer, in different places, uh, Cattle Hurok, where they found these figurines and statuettes. Um, and the theory is that it was when the warring Nordic tribes came down with their iron and steel and started to overrun these communities that yeah. women lost that status. Um, so, you know, like I said, it's contested, but you know, that is the biggest question, I think, in feminist history is, yeah. is that very question you just asked. When did women lose their power? Yeah. And when did they lose their status and why? Yeah. And how is this archetype now reemerging? And or how, how did it stay and for so long and how did it morph, you know, well, to the and, expectations you know, of women? And then we go to the witch trials if we want to yeah. take a, oh, a, a, a more recent. And this was when women were healers. Yeah. Most, of those, and, yeah. most of those women were living outside um, the patriarchy. They yeah. weren't married. And this is when medicine was coming in. Yeah. The male field of medicine. So they didn't like women who were living on their own, who were living yeah. outside, <laughs> who didn't play by the rules. Yep. <laughs> and they were healing people, which gave them, uh, you know, which in their minds gave them power, you know, yes. because then they were the doctors. So women were no longer, you know, they lost all the positions, all the important positions in society. And what I find really interesting is one thing that they, you know, that can't be contested um, is I, I I don't remember where I saw this, but um, what article I saw it in, but it kind of demonstrated how all the cultures, the more a culture um, kind of denies women, the more violent it is. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, the more repressed, the more violence, the more, you know, it's like, we, you know, it's the proof is that proof is in the pudding. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at, the goddess as the giver of birth. She is a birther. She is a nurturer. She's not a killer. No. Yeah. She nurtures things. She brings th things to life. So it, it's just an interesting thing. And I think, you know, Barbara, well, I thought you were going to quote Barbara Walker because she said, I'm going to read this quote, perhaps necessarily the crone is being rediscovered by a world that male systems seem to be pushing towards the brink of disaster. Yeah. It has been said before that archetypes suppressed by any culture will tend to rise again and again, uh, threatening the establishment that suppressed them. At present, it is not clear just what hidden psychological forces threaten our world, but we must try to find out. The old woman, the crone, the wise woman, the hag, who acknowledges no master may be our best guide. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's where um, kind of even in governments and as I say, the proof is in the pudding. I think they're finding where women are more involved in the decision-making, even in, you know, certain companies, but 
there's also there was also the big tug of war, you know, with a lot of um, our generation where we were, you know, getting into the workforce or whatnot. It was women trying to be like men, you know, yes. and competing just like men. And it's really kind of refreshing to hear more and more often, you know, women, you know, trying to bring their special talents, you know, with that it just being women in the role of a man isn't isn't really helping either. And that kind of tears apart, you know, it's not very satisfying, you know, it, it, it's tough to find somebody who's really satisfied in a really high end position as a, as a female doing a man's job, like a man, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it takes both, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, the collaborative cooperative. Um, and I think that's what we're all kind of aiming towards. And I think people realize, wow, if we want to have any kind of balance at all, um, that we have to include women bringing their special qualities in. And then I think, you know, that the men will behave better and I think they'll be relieved, frankly, you know, and they won't feel that, you know, that beating the heads, all the men beating their heads with competition. Um, I think, I think it'd be a really wonderful, um, wonderful for them too. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a tremendous Mm -hmm. pressure to be a man with you know with all the pressure from the other men you know (laughs) it's not not us that's giving it to them right yeah and you know women after all do hold up half the world yeah and if we all if we both if we had a partnership model where we could bring our fully evolved manhood and womanhood up yes think of the potential yeah of what we could create in the world. And I think, you know, you're right. Men have been repressed in some ways too. And so women, so neither one of us have really, I mean, what does the mature masculine look like? You know, there's not very many models for them. No, there isn't. And, and it's almost like we have these overculture models that say what a man's supposed to be and what a woman's supposed to be. And thus we really lose true relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And so I think, you know, kind of what's what, why I feel I'm really being, you know, guided towards a lot of the the crone archetype and why it's so important right now too, is for us to get that balance. Uh, I I think it's going to take a lot of, you know, women stepping up as women. You know. Yes. Uh, you know, with all those qualities that you talked about, the crone, and most of the women do have that, but they haven't exercised it as much or had as much confidence in it. And that's where I love the idea. And I want you to tell us about the Crown Council, because I think a lot of it is community. So many women have been on, you know, are doing it all and doing it all alone. And in the old days, I mean, the, the women really, you know, especially the older women, they, they almost were like a council. They really supported each other and they supported the community and, part of why they were so good at that, I think is because they were a group, you know, they understood the importance of relationship. Yeah. Well, we do have oxytocin, you know, we, (laughs) which is that tend and befriend, you know, we, we want to be in community and in, and in uh, relationship. And what you said earlier is how do we create a workspace where that is safe for women? Yeah that's safe. I mean, and we're getting there, but we're, we've got a long ways to go And here, particularly in Utah, we have the lowest pay for women 
next to Louisiana. We're 49th. Wow. Yeah, in pay equity for women. And, and women still, in many, many places, still only make 70 cents. And it's not just about monet- monetary, but it shows up there a lot. Yeah. And well, not so really me- the proper kind of child care and not the proper kind of, you know, uh, leave for women. Yeah. Uh, and that's a whole nother ballgame. But yeah, <laughs> yeah eg- exactly. I mean, it's and the value. I mean, where is the value? You know, hire somebody else to do what they're asking, you know, of their women and it costs them a fortune. There's quite a bit of value. Yeah. So the history of Crohn's Council is a really interesting, um, for me anyway, because I've been involved with it since its um, beginning. And I really want to make clear that it is spelled Crohn's, C-R-O-N-E-S, Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. Ah. Yeah, not C-I-L. And, you know, we always want to make that distinction with people because in the, it was about what you just said, women, women coming together to counsel with each other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How did this work for you? How did you do this? How did you do your 40s? How did you do your 70s? How did you deal with your kids? How did, you know, yeah. coming together? And you're right. We did it in quilting bees. We did it in all kinds of ways where women have had that. But the 60s movement, that consciousness raising movement that said, how do we come together and tell the truth? Yeah. Tell the truth about our lives. And that's that was really important, those consciousness raising groups. And there was one woman writer who spoke of that and said she asked the question, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? Wow. Yeah. And she answers her own question and she says the world would split open. And when women do talk to each other, and when we do tell the truth, when we do sit face to face, the world breaks open. Then we can move. Then we can rise up. Yeah. And then we, you know, aren't suffering in silence anymore either. We realize how much of this is going on. There you go. Yeah. Suffering in silence. So Crohn's Council was started by two university women in Salt Lake City, Utah. I know. I think that's great. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the the women was um, the women's, the director of the Women's Resource Center, when there were only two other women's resource centers in the United States. Wow. The other woman was the (laughs) vice president of student affairs. And when they both went to retirement, they said, wow, they got together with three other people at a dinner table one night and said, what do professional women do i mean it's kind of how it started it's evolved way past that when they retire and they said well gosh we don't know and they'd been you know doing women's gatherings for years and said let's bring a group of women together and find out and that's how it started and and there was a woman in um kelly wyoming who had been writing a journal for years called um crohn's chronicles wow and somehow Shauna and Anne had some kind of correspondence. And Anne said, well, these women want to have a gathering. I don't know how to do that. And Shauna said, well, I do. <laughs> and that's how it happened. So the first Crohn's Council was in Kelly, Wyoming. 105 women showed up. Oh, my was, gosh. <laughs> and it was one of the wildest um 
most fascinating things I had ever seen. And I just want to throw this in since this goes to Seattle. There was a huge contingent of crone women who came from Seattle because they there were two separate groups, crones of Puget Sound and ah. another group that who were who who there were 30 or 20 or 30 of them who came. Yeah. Yeah. So it started that way. And the the notion was what I said, storytelling was was big. You know, you you've got five minutes to just tell some snippet of your life. Yeah. And you know, you could ask, I mean, there were just some things that were set in place that were just gorgeous. If you wanted a standing ovation, you could ask for one and the whole room would stand up and give you it. <laughs> I mean, how many women ever get a standing ovation in their life? Yeah. Well, and just to be, you know, and once there, you know, the the vulnerability, I, that's what I was so impressed by yeah. when a bunch of uh, us got together here. And it was another one of those things. It's like, well, let's a bunch of us just get together and just say what we're doing. You know, yeah. they, I think they just called it a wise, you know, a wise woman gathering. Yeah. And people just kind of threw it out word of mouth. It was like 30, 40 people showed up and we were like all going, Oh my gosh, you know, have we all wanted this so much? And just listening to that little five minute snippet story. I mean, you know, we were laughing, we were crying and it's just like, Oh my gosh, we've somebody in the room had had that happen to them or something worse, you know? Um, and or had the same vision for, you know, their art or, you know, what their gifts are, what they could offer the world and just the connections that happened there and, you know, to be heard and to be able to be vulnerable and then to also be supported and, you know, just find that relationship and community. I mean, it just yeah. happened so fast, you know, so I would, I would, lo- you know, I would love to see how that could kind of catch on, like, all over. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, yeah. And I think it has, I mean, I don't think we, you know, what I wrote when I did my doctoral work was that these circles of women, women are circling the world all over. And in the 1980s and 1990s, that was happening outside the purview of academia. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, people didn't know, but now there's millions and there's, I, somebody told me the other day that she just looked on the internet. There were 60,000 circles of women. Wow. Which still isn't the millionth circle that that Jean writes about. But, you know, women are circling. We're coming together. This archetype is arising. Women are finding uh, their, their power, their passion, their voice, their place. And um, so one of the the things with Crohn's Council, too, that was set up in that very early structure. So storytelling was the heart and soul. And we brought in no we bring in no experts. It doesn't matter what your credentials are. You don't have to have any because we are all experts on our own life. Yeah, it's just experience. Yes. 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 It's something uh, that we were just talking about. Um, as I say, I'm in the middle of a, of a retreat here in Sedona. And it was interesting to say, okay, it's not about, um, uh, you know, we're not here to, to on this planet or whatever for, um, for a lesson, to learn something. We're here to experience. Absolutely. And be conscious with that experience. Exactly. Exactly. So, if if you look at it like an experience, it's not 
as much as I, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Do I mean it pass or fail or whatever? It's, if it's about experience, you want to make the most of your experience and generally things will turn out better and you'll be a better person from that perspective, I think anyway, right? Yeah. And if I fell on my face, what did I learn? Exactly. You learn from experience. Yeah. I'm not a loser. I just learned. Yeah. And we live in this very heroic culture about, you know, and that makes it very hard. You know, we have to be successful and we have to, but that's, that's the the meaning of our experience that we can live consciously. And there's something really powerful about that. So cross council brings that all together, you know, and, and, um there is magic when when you like the retreat you're having when you bring a group of women together um and they're immersed in that experience it for a day or two days or three days there's a vessel that's created this sacred space that's created that um it's magical and i think that's the um kind of phoenix archetype i was talking about yeah. before because it is i mean you really do feel like something new is birthed and something inside of you is you know has has died in a sense but it's a transition it's so even if it was a um a habit or a trauma or a fear um it's you have a it's the relationship you have with it instead of eliminating it so that that transition from kind of death or destruction to life and emergence um, is a process. It's not like, boom, it's over and boom, something else begins. And then you really see the fluidity of it all. And that can be applied to so many things. Well said. Yeah. That, that the value in being witnessed. Yeah. Simply witnessed and seen and, um, yeah, there it's it's magical. Yeah, well, gosh, we're already at the end of our uh, of our half hour here. So, um, what would you like to leave our listeners with today, and how can they um, learn more about the Crone Council? Maybe get one started in their area. Oh, well, they can go to the website for Crone's Council Inc. And, and, that's it, it. and then, how do you spell Crone Council? Yeah, C R O N E S C O U N S E L dot org. Or yeah. .net, you can get there. We're having a gathering here in Zion National Park in October. Cool. And you can look at that at um, Zion. Um, it, we will have a Facebook page soon. Um, but you, yeah, you could do Zion the Gathering at gmail.com. Okay. And you'll also find a link to the Chrome Council website, um, along with an archive of today's show, if you want to share it with some other women too, um, at SedonaSpotlight.com as well. So thanks so much for joining us um, today, uh, Susan. And I would, I could talk to you forever. You'll have to come out to Sedona and visit me. <laughs> Love to. Okay. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning in and turning up the lights because we can all all be spotlights helping to create a brighter world and a better future for everyone anywhere and anytime is all. So shine bright y'all and have a truly magical day.